letting the body settle into a natural, relaxed posture, being at ease and as comfortable as possible. Checking frequently to notice whether tension, holding is arising in the body, and then releasing it if possible. Taking a moment also to review to review the instructions and to check your attitude. Developing awareness is just to observe the present moment, the experience within the body or of the mind or of environmental conditions. Recognizing hearing of sounds, feeling temperature. Recognizing the experience of the breath or other sensations in the body. So to noticing whether there's any expectation in the mind, whether there's any sense of struggle or trying, letting your attention be as relaxed as the body, but clearly recognizing each moment's experience. Understanding that it is a natural phenomena of the mind or body It arises due to causes and conditions. It's not a mistake. It's not that it shouldn't be happening. Things are the way they are. Opening to observe, to know, to acknowledge and accept this moment as it is. Without trying to create any special effects from your effort and without resisting or avoiding or denying anything that is known. Recognize also the quality of the observing mind. Is it clear or dull? Is the observing mind interested or bored? Is the observing mind demanding? or accepting. Is it willing and continuous or reluctant and erratic? Just noticing and observing this is the way it is right now. when noticing thoughts or the wandering mind. Understand that this is a natural occurrence in the mind, a natural mental activity. This is what the mind does. It thinks. Like ears hear, eyes see, tongue tastes, the mind thinks 
But thoughts are just thoughts. Feelings are just feelings. Just as sounds are just sounds. Sights are just sights. So too. Thoughts, they're just thoughts. They're not my thoughts, my feelings. They're just the natural appearance of causes and conditions. Being aware of thoughts, the wandering mind and feelings in order to know them, to observe them, to understand them, rather than to get rid of them. We don't need to participate in our thoughts and feelings. Rather, learn to observe them, to be aware of them. The thoughts and feelings that are recognized are not a problem. They're just thoughts and just feelings. However, an attitude that they shouldn't be happening is a problem. That should be looked at. Develop your practice to recognize and acknowledge thoughts as and when they occur, without resistance, without expecting otherwise, without trying to get rid of them. In the beginning, it's difficult to observe thoughts We believe them, we get entangled in them, we think they're ours. But with practice, understanding that they're the natural phenomena, a result of causes and conditions, we can begin to see them as just thoughts. Not me, not mine, not who I am. Out of this understanding, True wisdom, acceptance, detachment arises. Remaining relaxed and settled in the body. Refreshing the attention. And noticing the present moment. Noticing the quality of observing the present moment in order to learn that this is the way it is. Learning to accept pleasant and unpleasant and deeply understanding this is not me, not mine, not who I am. The mind is not yours, but you are responsible for it. Training is a practice in being responsible.
being careful not to get entangled in what is being known. Recognize it for what it is, a momentary appearance due to conditions. It's natural, it happens. Just noticing, observing, letting it be without becoming entangled in it.
So, did you notice any thoughts? That's good. It's good to notice them. Now, what did you learn? What was your attitude towards them? What did you learn by observing them? So you learned how to make a cough drop last a whole a whole hour. That sounds like a full time train of thought. <laughs> Were you aware of the fascination with the activity of sucking on the cough drop? You like the taste of the cough drop. Did you notice the attachment to the taste or the pleasure of the taste and then the attachment to it? Big time. Big time. And what happened to it? Uh, Mm-hmm. So you let go of the you let go of the attachment because the session was over. Yeah? Oh, so are you saying that you need the attachment to the cough drop in order to enjoy it or in order to get the benefit of it? Or can you no. just... No, they're Okay, so you still got the benefit of the cough drop and the, uh, in, the enjoyment of the flavor, but without the attachment. I see. You weren't attached to the cough drop, but the cough drop was attached to you. (laughs) I like that one. (laughs) Okay, so you see how you can learn a lot about (coughs) cough drops. So the question is about attachment. Does it come from the liking or disliking, or does it come from not seeing impermanence? That's the question. Attachment, if you're liking, if you're liking something and you're kind of enjoying it and you're kind of you know, kind of feeling good about that and you're feeling satisfied and you know, that's attachment. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Now, so Kamala. Ah. Okay. So we're talking about pleasant, unpleasant, liking, disliking, and attachment or non-attachment. Hmm. Okay. So, is it possible to experience pleasantness without liking? and or without attachment? That's the question, right? Or is liking the same as pleasure? And so, so what, what is attachment? Attachment is, uh, is finding satisfaction and enjoyment in something pleasant. So if you can experience pleasant without that sense of gratification and enjoyment and indulgence, fine. But if you are feeling gratified and indulging and enjoying, that's attachment. No, the, the, pleasant, the pleasant or unpleasant comes due to conditions of, that are not our mind. Pleasant or unpleasant? Just, isn't what? 
things, things do have a pleasant or unpleasant quality, true. There is a feeling in the experience of each moment. Right. Oh, a thing itself is, yeah, is, it has no substance, so to speak. But when, when it is known, it is, there's a pleasant or unpleasant quality to it. And in that, if we recognize the pleasant, and we just, you know, we recognize the pleasant, and we experience the pleasant, it's not that we're somehow trying to not experience the pleasant. We do experience, or I should say feeling, experiences pleasant, experience or knows the pleasantness. If we take great satisfaction in that and we get kind of enamored of it and we want more of it and we indulge in it, we just kind of sink into it kind of unconsciously, that's all the activity of attachment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if we just you know, recognize that, some, that the experience is pleasant and we know that and we feel it or it's being felt and it's being recognized as pleasantness, that's okay. We don't have to push it away. Same with aversion or with unpleasantness. If we can experience or we can know, I should say, if the feeling of unpleasantness is recognized, we may not get averse to it. It takes a little bit, to steadiness of attention, to tease apart pleasant from enjoyment, unpleasant from aversion. It's a real steady mind. Yeah. So if we find ourselves wanting to extend a pleasant moment, does that require attachment? Yes, it does. If you want to extend a pleasant moment, you know you're having a pleasant sitting, and you just want to, you hope it lasts till the bell. Yeah? That's, that's attachment. Excitement and nervousness? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she was noticing that there was a lot of thoughts and fantasies about when she would leave here, the end of the retreat, things like that. And that as she observed the thoughts and fantasies, she noticed the excitement and then a little bit of nervousness or self-consciousness or something. There was something, it sounds like it started to be unpleasant. Even though the fantasies was like wonderful, as you actually observed how you felt, that was a little unpleasant. So there was a little kind of dampening of the excitement. And then you wanted more of the thoughts and fantasies because you like the excitement. And you kind of amp that up again, but then you notice the nervousness and you kind of, and it just went back and forth like that. Is that what you said? Um, oh, you like the nervousness and the excitement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What can I say? <laughs> That's the way it is. Okay, but as you pay attention, let me let me give you a little a little uh, a little line into understanding what's going on. Is you got these fantasies? You got you're imagining the future, and there's a lot of excitement in the body, and there's some some nervous nervous feelings too. As long as we focus on the content of our fantasy, you know, like seeing this person, talking to this person, sharing this, doing that, as long as we're focused on the object of our attachment or the object of our excitement, we'll be hooked and we'll be carried along. But if you can turn your attention to the feeling of that's going on in the body at the time, the feeling of attachment, the feeling of that excitement, 
you may find another story. You may find a different experience there than just the pleasure of imagining, you know, what you're going to do. So the object of your attention, the particular fantasy or the thoughts, not so... I mean, they change throughout your lifetime and they'll always be one thing or another. In this practice, what we want to do is two things. One is to recognize, you know, that there's excitement and attachment and fantasizing, but also to turn around and look at this experience knowingly. Oh, this is, this is the nature of excitement. Huh. Okay, now what does it do to your body? What does it do to the thoughts in your mind? What, how does it feel? As you observe it, what happens to it? So we're trying to learn about the nature of excitement, learn about the nature of fantasizing. Fantasizing is a natural occurrence of the mind. Everybody does it. It's not not unique to you. We all fantasize. What do we know about fantasizing? What does it do to the mind? What does it do to the body? So we're observing in order to know and understand what fantasizing does or what excitement does or any of those things. Just to learn. By learning, then we can uh, understand, then we can be free of it, not be kind of victimized by rampant fantasizing, rampant uh, excitement. So the, the question is about when is the mind just making a groove and, and digging itself a, digger, a deeper rut, and as opposed to what? Got it, got it, okay. So sometimes, you know, a story comes up again and again and again. It's a fantasy, it's a story, it's a memory, it's a some scenario that's got some emotional content to it that just comes up over and over and over again. And within that, you may have noticed, you know, there's some anger, and there's the story of this person said this, and I did that, and, you know, then there's all the thoughts and plans for revenge. And, you know, and it's all kind of tied up together. When it comes up, it really comes up, and it's like, you know, okay. So we've seen a lot of it. We've seen many facets of this gem, and it's a gem. You can learn a lot from this. It's, it's, a, it's a source of great uh, value to you, really. Because by observing this, you'll, you'll come to understand the mind. Okay, so how do we know that we're not just kind of digging a deeper rut, going over the same old terrain, or if there's really something else to do here? Ask yourself, or do as, as, as Kamala suggested last night, investigate this phenomena. Now, to investigate this phenomena is not to focus on what is already known, the anger, the storyline, the, the plans, the thoughts for re- and all that, thoughts for revenge, but rather it is to let the energy of that psychophysical knot be there, because it is, it's in your face. But approach it this way, by reminding yourself, or asking yourself, what else is going on here? Or, what else is known about this? Or, what has not yet been seen here? Okay? And we ask those questions, not so much to answer them and try to figure out the answer, but as a way of resetting the mind so that you're observing this thing but the mind tends to focus on what it already knows. It goes to the most predominant thing. It just goes to the anger. It goes to the, the storyline. It just over and over. So we want to reset our attention or our attitude to not focus on that, but kind of back up and allow what is not yet known about this situation to emerge. The example I use a lot is 
you know, we're in the room. We're all in the room here. And if I said, okay, what do you know about what you observe right here? We say, oh, I, I see people and, you know, Zabitans, and I see the Buddha, and I hear the sounds, and I kind of smell the new contraction smell. And, you know, we, we, we name all the things that we know about this experience. And then I say, okay, just put all that aside. What else is known? Or what has not yet been recognized in this experience? And then we might get to, you know, well, how we feel about the color of the wall, this new paint job. Or maybe we'll, you know, have some, something about the shape of the palm trees on either side of the podium. Or it might take quite a while before we notice or recognize the shape of the room. It's been there all along. We just have been focused on other things. And so, same thing with the psychophysical knot. We see the colorful, dramatic, predominant experience first. If we get stuck there and kind of hang on to it and just perseverate on you know, going back to that, you're digging a rut. If you can investigate by opening up and letting into your field of recognition what is not yet recognized or seen, then you may uncover or discover by investigating the rest of what's going on there. Is that clear? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So the question is about wholesome and unwholesome thoughts and you said something very important and I want to emphasize it because um, it isn't what you think you said. But you really did say something and I want to draw it out because it's important for all of us to know. You said, so sometimes I have these thoughts when the mind is agile and light and all and I recognize them as wholesome or unwholesome. I recognize them and they just kind of go away and you're on to something else. But when the mind is kind of sluggish and dull and you recognize wholesome or, or you recognize unwholesome and then the mind just kind of clamps down, it's unwholesome, you know, just kind of gets heavy and kind of wants to get rid of it and it kind of, it kind of mired in the tar pit of unwholesome thought. It's like, and then you just got confused. You know, anybody else had that experience? <laughs> What you said is just classic. When the mind is energized, when there is that, that energy in the mind, you can recognize wholesome and unwholesome really easily. And when you recognize either one of them, they just, you just recognize that they're just passing and you're just on to the next thing. Or you're not on to it, but your attention is ready for and receives the next thing. There's no kind of bogging down. However, when the energy of the mind is low. You get tied up. You get entangled. You can't, you can't decide whether it's wholesome or unwholesome. And if it's unwholesome, you, you pile on another unwholesome judgment on top of that. And then you get confused. You, you have more doubt. And you just have a big pile of unwholesomeness. What's the lesson in all that? The lesson is, it's about energy of the mind. When there is energy in the mind, things are seen as being as wholesome or unwholesome as they really are, and they just pass. The, the, the recognition of how fleeting everything is, is just you don't have to work at it. You just see it. 
That's what you said. I mean, you didn't say it quite like that. But your insight into, or your, the wisdom that recognizes wholesome and unwholesome is just there. You don't have to kind of think about it. And the insight into how fleeting and impermanent everything is, is just there. You didn't have to think about it. And your recognition of how impersonal it all is, it just kind of goes by. You didn't make the thought come. You didn't make the thought go. You didn't, you didn't make your mind have mental energy or not. It just was. That's all impersonal stuff. And it was all recognized. Your insight into impermanence, great. Insight into uh, anatta characteristic, great. Insight into understanding the mind and how the mind works, great. And when you had low energy or when you recognized there was low mental energy, you got bogged down. Mm. Your insight into dukkha was not so good. <laughs> you kind of indulged in the dukkha. Okay? You know, got confused, got heavy, you know, and that was you know, very unsatisfactory. Didn't recognize that. Didn't recognize the unsatisfactoriness of not knowing. Got, got kind of bogged down there. Okay? That's good. Now, the question that you want to be asking yourself is, how do I get this mental energy? You know, how do I keep this mental energy? Or, or how do I recognize when it's there? How do I work with when there isn't any mental energy? Because that's the key, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, it's like, where'd this mental energy come from? Okay, so now that's the task for the day. Do you recognize when you have mental energy or do you recognize when you do not? And if you do not feel mentally energized, what can you do about it? Okay, enjoy your day. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm I'm not going to take any more questions. One comment. Stay tuned. <laughs> observe. When you don't have energy, observe, close, really look at it. Don't judge it as being bad, wrong, unwholesome. Just observe to know for yourself. Hey, low mental energy. Wow, check it out. What's going on here? What's it do to the mind? How does it make the body feel? How long does it last? Can you recognize it? Are you judgmental about it? Okay, that's a short answer. Okay, there are two days remaining in the retreat. Today's, uh, today's Friday. I was going to say Thursday. Today's Friday. The retreat will end Sunday. There are two days. These are the most important two days of the retreat. You've made all the effort to get the momentum going. You are at your, the peak of your energy and clarity and commitment and tranquility. Now is the time to reap the fruit of all your efforts. Just continue to pay attention. And the understanding of what it is you're observing will be clearer and more precise and more accurate than at any other time in the retreat. It's true. Please keep the container of the retreat. Please respect and honor your commitment to noble silence. Continue to do your practice. Okay? There are those of you who've made a lot of effort. I mean, most, all of you have made a lot of effort. And really, get the benefit of it now. Um, In addition, the way you approach the end of the retreat is indicative of a lot. You know, we end relationships, we end jobs, and our life too will come to an end. The way you approach the end of a retreat will tell you a lot about that. You want to know, you want to know how your last days on the face of the earth are going to be? Watch. <laughs> really. When the end comes in sight, our mind does something. What? Observe it. No. 
for yourself. How anxious, how fearful, how excited, how depressed, how sad, how lonely, how confused, how whatever you are, you will be. Enjoy the investigation. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.